is in complete Houston. After uh, serving the world for over 30 years, the space shuttle turned its place in history and has come to a final stop. You're listening, You're listening. to Beat TV. Hi there, this is Shipwrecked Records with Beat TV and myself, Marcus Barnes. Today I'm with a couple of Glaswegian legends, the mighty Slam, that's Ord and Stuart. Hi guys. Hello, how are you doing? How are you doing? Yeah, really good, thank you, really good. Uh, thanks very much for taking the time to do this. No problem. Um, what I wanted to do was uh, start, go way back, right to the beginning, and um, speak a little bit about what it was like for you guys when you were growing up, uh, where you grew up, and kind of what Glasgow was like back then, and we are sort of talking uh, a little while back. So can you give us a, can you paint us a little picture of what things were like back then? I mean, I grew up uh, out north of Glasgow, uh, in, the, in the suburbs, and uh, I guess my first experience with uh, music was, was kind of the whole punk new wave thing. Uh, you know, I, I, would, I would sort of listen to, you know, John Peel and uh, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, and then I started going to like gigs and concerts and stuff when I was about 12. You know, I, I would go into, I would, I would go and see uh, Susie the Panties with, uh, with nice. uh, Linton Crazy Johnson supporting. And, um, that, you know, but that's kind of reflective in our musical choices because. Uh, you, you know, one thing I remember about that time was that uh, you, you would always hear uh, there would always be a good sound system, which really turned turned me on to reggae at that point, especially the the, the dub sound, uh, and and it was probably the only thing that you know when I made the connection between house, I didn't hear anything like it until I'd heard house later on, and you know the the, the kind of late eighties was the fact that you would hear you know this music that was continuous, it was bass driven, it was esoteric and to the point where they didn't have to try and uh, please anyone. I mean, the beautiful thing about the the, the whole dub thing was that it, it, it was, they'd made the, 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 the pop version on the A side and the B side was for experimenting. And I love that. I love that whole uh, no pressure element of, of just using the studio as an instrument going in and making music that that, that was uh, wonderfully self-indulgent mm. you know so um i, I got a, a real taste for that really early on um and uh yeah just loved it and it was you know glasgow was a good place to grow up it was it's always had a really strong musical history um lots of bands and there's always been there was always a great scene for you know first of all the gig scene and then uh, earlier, a bit later on, when we started going to clubs and and stuff like that, it was always a great enthusiasm for for nightlife. Glasgow's a wonderfully great uh, city for going out, and you know it has the gridiron sort of you know totally. structure, and it's you know it was, a, it was a fantastic place for 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 growing up, and and, and you know because I lived in the. The suburbs, if you will, you know, it was, it was, it was the an sticks. A, the sticks, yeah, because I was a, a suburban boy, you know, I used to make the pilgrimage and go in, uh, and it, I guess that was my first experiences of, of kind of hearing loud music and played by a DJ, and and that kind of stuck with me. I, st- you know, I always, I think with 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 dub, it it was it's always something that 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 has crept into our productions in one way or another. You know, the the, the use of reverb and the, the the use of delay the use of you know 
um, bass-driven music is something that's, that's definitely stuck with our sound, even till now. Well, yeah, I grew up in the uh, kind of west end of uh, Glasgow, quite near to the universities, so there was always kind of gigs going on there at various unions. And my uh, one of my uncles was a Rastafarian, so from a very early age I was listening to kind of Bob Marley and Gregory Isaacs and stuff, and a lot of our friends at that time were quite into kind of reggae. Um, they were always the the best gigs that you, you kind of went to, you know, they were the mm-hmm. most inclusive um, and and you know the the whole record buying thing started very early for me. You know I was buying down at the record shop every every weekend with your pocket money. You know seeing what was out and and kind of got turned on to um, kind of soul and, and and disco through through kind of. Uh, a, a gradual kind of move from from reggae, trying to listen to other forms of kind of dance music, and I found a a, a kind of show which used to play kind of um, on the, on the radio, play kind of underground kind of disco and soul stuff, and and started kind of taking note of songs that kind of caught my ear, and then actually going to the record shop and and asking for things, not just picking them up, and and yet yeah, kind of move uh, went down south for a couple of years and. To Sheffield, and there was a kind of almost an industrial funk movement going on there with with ACR and <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> various other <clears throat> um, types of music. Factory was just blowing up at that time, and and uh, it just all seemed very kind of organic, you know. The move into um, a kind of electro funk, you know, the 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 onslaught of kind of hardware. You know bands like Kraftwerk and uh, and then you know other kind of Depeche Mode and stuff and then as Stuart says the the ad, the appearance of kind of Detroit techno and and house in the in the kind of mid eighties it it just all seemed like a totally natural progression mm. to mm. to us. Do you remember when music in any shape or form you became when you first come became conscious of music and started to sort of actually like it and invest your time and energy into it rather than it being something that was just you know present i think in an uh, unconscious way from my point of view um i think pretty early on in in life i i, I always loved music i always my my my, my mother was a a, a big jazz fan, you know. She's listening to Ella Fitzgerald and and stuff like that in the house. And there was always, rec- I was always fascinated by records. And you know, I remember being young and looking at the the, the grooves and thinking, how did they get that on there? You know, <laughs> and just and I used to play around with the stereo and make tapes and kind of just mass things up. And you know, I, I've always been interested in in in, in both the kind of listening to music and how and and the process behind it. You know. I, I remember um, kind of getting a guitar and and kind of wanting to to play guitar at quite an early age. I got first of all I got an, I got an acoustic and then I got an electric uh, and um, yeah I didn't have an amplifier so I made I sort of made my own amplifier, <laughs> <laughs> you know and uh, subsequently through through a kind of radio thing that I had and subsequently broke the radio from doing it. But uh, yeah, it was just a bit, you know, even then I was experimenting to see, see what, what, Still what, what, would, what would fit. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, I, I suppose uh, it, it, I wasn't content just to listen to music. I, I kind of wanted to be a part of 
mm. yeah. making the, the, the you know the, the actual process of making the music at, at an early stage. It was it was something I was always drawn towards. So something that I always wanted. I was always looking for other people that had drums or guitars to, to try and form a band or or do something. I always wanted to get involved in it, you know. And 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 that when we started, when I met Ord later, you know, we we met, we worked in the same bar together, and Ord had come back from Sheffield. He'd um, he'd been down studying there, and he was the only other guy I'd, that I met that. That, that had similar tastes in music. We both had, you know, we both liked, you know, Joy Division. We both liked kind of weird electronic stuff. And, you know, he was the only other guy I knew that, that was into that. And, 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 and it was like, you know, he, he kind of had a set, he had a set of London acoustic uh, decks. So right, it, was a, it was a sort of natural process to kind of be a DJ. It wasn't really, I guess at that point, it wasn't the most fashionable thing to, to want to be, mm. to be a DJ. Now it's like everybody wants to be a DJ. Yeah, but it's then, a lifestyle thing. Then, now, uh, then, yeah. then, then kind of, I was make, we're making ourselves sound really old here, but um, uh, it, it was kind of like, you know, DJs spoke over records. DJs were a bit of a naff thing, you know? Yeah. And the, a couple of the places we were going, we, we'd go to a place called Lucifer's and a place called Maestro's in Glasgow that just played... A, 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 yeah, yeah, anything from very uh, eclectic. Yeah, yeah. It, so it was, it was pretty underground, you know. Um, so that that's the kind of side that we we wanted to get involved in. Fantastic. So let's have a little listen to this first uh, first track that you've selected. Yeah, this is King Dubby, the the bad boy King Dubby. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a grand master. Yeah, no doubt, man. And this is Badness Dub. Um, we're going to play it, and then afterwards we'll have a little chat about it.
Right, so that was King Tubby, Badness Dub. Um, in Glasgow, back when you said that you were sort of listening to a lot of reggae, was, was there uh, much of a Caribbean community up here? Actually, no, no, there wasn't at all. Um, it wasn't huge, but it, I mean, it was here. Yeah, it no, was here. Yeah. There was a club um, on Sock Hill Street in Glasgow above um, a club called Mayfair, which every Sunday used to run a, re- a reggae club, which yeah. we used to go to quite a lot. And there was a band called Scheme um, who used to do kind of really quite serious kind of reggae covers and stuff. And that yeah. they were just, you know, a, a Glaswegian band. So I wouldn't say there was a, a large Afro-Caribbean mm. community, but uh, it was well represented musically. Nice one, cool. And what do you think it was? I mean, that kind of really drew you to to reggae at that time. I think it was for me anyway. It was just the 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 the, the, the hypnotic value of it, the the bass, and if you you know, as I said as I said earlier, um, my first um, introduction to it was 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 going to gigs. And uh, it might be something like stiff little fingers or something, but you know. And then, was it but, not the warm ups? Were quite often. It was always the warm ups. They would always bring, a, 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 you know, not not Don Letts, but Don Letts was 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 instrumental at that point in doing that kind of thing. So it would always be. They would always have a DJ. It was mm. always a Rasta, and he would always play. <laughs> like uh, I, I mean, you know, you would hear a good hour of continuous. Dub reggae Fantastic. Uh, over over a, 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 a an inordinately large system, <laughs> which, which which at that point you know infectious, uh, totally left infectious. A, left a real impression, you know, and that's that's where my my love for it kind of grew really. I mean, I heard you know obviously Peel would play a lot of it on the yeah. radio. But you, you know, when you hear it on the radio, you don't really get the sonics or the, you know, the, you, you know, and, and if, and it, you know, if it is, if it's an isolated incident, if he's playing it in amongst, you know, a twenty-three Skidoo record, and then, you know, like a reggae <laughs> record, and then a class record, you, you sort of don't, you, you know, what, what was beautiful about actually hearing somebody DJ that style was that it was just continuous. Yeah, yeah. You know? And what was the what was the actual club like itself? What was it like inside, and what was the general kind of clientele like? Well, I mean, like? it could be it would have been anywhere from a place called it was like a, an old dance hall, really, a place called Mayfair, um, which was a lot of gigs would go on, and it, and it would just be like a, a concert venue, really. It wasn't at this point. Uh, I mean, you're talking something, you know, being 12, 13, 14, going to concerts, you know. So it wasn't it, the, the, the 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 gig would start at seven o'clock at night and would finish you know at 12 and it would be last bus home so it was it was it, it was you know it was pre-clubbing years for me this is when i when i first came across it so it wasn't you know late as, as i said later on there was like there, there was uh clubs that, yeah that, yeah that yeah play it, but. we used to go as i said to some of the student venues and, and saw bands like misty and roots who just totally blew me away do you know I, it was one of the best nights i've ever had listening to music and and the cimarrons and and all kinds of bands and, and you know they they'd maybe only do a couple of gigs outside of the, the kind of southeast or the south of, of london but but luckily glasgow was one of those types of uh, a city that as stuart said earlier on had a a, a very strong kind of uh, musical history so it was always a place that th- these bands would would come and visit so um it was a very good place to kind of grow up to listen to a, a, a kind of diverse um cross-section of kind of music so yeah we used to as i said you know go and go and see these bands and and sometimes you didn't actually you know you didn't re- you'd never heard the name before you know but uh you you always remembered them afterwards the gigs were fantastic and having grown up here 
What would you kind of pinpoint as being the reason behind Glasgow having such a rich musical culture? Um, difficult question, but uh, I don't know really. Um, it's well, it was something that was around when we were growing up, so yeah. it already existed. Yeah, historically, I think, I, think it, I think it's just one of these cities that that has a lot of venue. I think there's a lot. Of, they've got three huge universities here. Uh, I've got a great art school. And where there's always a great art school, there's always people doing cool stuff, you know. Uh, I think that's partly responsible, but I think it's it's kind of it's, it's it's not it's never been kind of part of kind of what's been going on in the in the mainstay in London. It's always because it's so far north. It's always <laughs> it's always kind of been allowed to create its own thing, you know. It's always uh, had a, a, a lot of venues to, for for people to you know either play music or you know um make music and, and 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 you know i think when you when you bring all these elements together they, they create it's a scene you know uh so you've always you always had a great scene for like you know with splash 100 back in the day for the indie yeah music, which yeah, is like yeah. world famous kind of indie club that was you know partly run by bobby gillespie um there was you the, know, the punk club wasn't there in paisley yeah, which became yeah. just iconic almost yeah so I mean, you, you know, and I think that people have always been. I think that's partly the reason. I think that's partly the reason. I think it's it's always had good scenes for various different things, and it's it's not a, you know, what is the population? I think it's well, back you know, but, but two million. Then, then would have been over a million. Yeah. But then you have sat yeah all the satellite. Yeah. Towns, towns yeah, and cities yeah. which which and which, people uh, would come through from Edinburgh. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, only forty minutes it, away um, and what have you. But yeah, and it's. The weather's pretty shit here. Ah, <laughs> uh, you can't go to the beach. So you know, if you you know, it's not like you know. I think people, you know, when when there's when there's not the distraction of going and lying in a park or kind of going to the beach or whatever or doing that kind of thing, I think people tend to get a bit more creative. You know, there's always been a strong art scene up here in one way or the other. You know, whether that's music or whether that's you know. Um, People expressing themselves through other forms of art. I think there's always been a good, you know, great art school, as I said earlier, you know, and so, yeah, bad weather. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's always been a place that's been a kind of challenge for any kind of live performer. You used to, I'm sure there was kind of used to be a saying that, you know, if you, if you made it in Glasgow, then you could make it pretty much anywhere. So it was, there was <laughs> a challenge that. there for a lot of people. But I, I think it's a city that's always demanded kind of, you know, live entertainment of a kind of weekend. Mm. It's a city where a lot of people go out, you know, obviously work quite hard during the week and, and, and look forward to the kind of weekends to go out. So it's yeah. it's always offered a lot as far as, you know, when we were kind of growing up, there were, there were so many things you could do, so many different types of music being catered for and kind of small clubs here, there and everywhere. And, and the, you know, um, the country wasn't quite as connected as it is now um, back then. So as, uh, as Stuart alluded to, it was kind of, you know, is the scene would kind of grow uh, uh, under its own kind of, you know, steam. And, and people, especially in Glasgow, weren't looking over their shoulder so much to see what was happening elsewhere, you know. So um, it was all quite, as I said, organic again. Yeah, <laughs> I guess there's a lot to be said, and I had this conversation with somebody the other day, there's a lot to be said for um, a, a city or, or even a country growing its own kind of local scene and then that's being sort of spread around the globe rather than being influenced yeah. by the globe itself. Yes, yeah. I think, uh, you know, even nowadays you can look at 
Glasgow musically the landscape up here is kind of different to the rest of the UK I would say you know I think you know the Glaswegians love for techno is is, uh, is, is you know it's probably staunch yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. They, they love the, the techno scene here especially is, is it's not wavered like other parts no. it's not no. stylistic it's as very, other parts you know they're very honest people you know who do know what they like you know and and, and, and I think uh Especially when music of Detroit came over, and and, and people really related to it somehow. Straight you know, away. it's like the beauty and the decay. You know, mm. uh, and, and that that kind of thing. People really kind of took to, you know, um, people like you know, first of all, Derek May and Saunderson, and then Jeff Mills and Robert Hood. I mean, they're, they're like heroes here. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's um, it, people love the music. You know, rubber dub records, and you know, there's, there's always been a good That's platform right. for for you know hearing the music and you know the, the clubs have always sort of played the music so it's it's it's, it's always been a, a major force i think the scene as well has always encouraged locals to become involved you know you, you sometimes will will travel to, to other parts of the world where it's all about the visiting dj and and you know it, it's all about someone coming from somewhere else whereas glasgow's always tried to you know, intermarry the, 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 the guests coming, but also like the local mm, talent. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just always been the way here, you know. So it it does have a scene for for encouraging kind of local talent to, to, to be exposed to, to, to the crowds. Let's have a listen to the next song. This is The Clash and Version Partner. Um, before we go into it, do you want to tell me a little bit about it? Well, the Clash. Well, to you. Yeah, I mean, the Clash is kind of the Clash are kind of pivotal, uh, pivotal to why we kind of got together, really, because uh, I met uh, Dave Clark, not the DJ. I, I always say not the DJ after I say Dave Clark. <laughs> uh, and the he, other yeah, Dave Clark. The other Dave Clark. <laughs> the real Dave Clark. No, I'm sorry. Uh, the thing, uh, you know, I met him at the bus stop and. Uh, <laughs> going to a Clash gig and uh, he sold me the, his mate had stayed in and watched Jaws on the telly so he, so, uh, he, he <laughs> I got I got his ticket and then uh, uh, that's how we became friends and we were, we became avid you know we became major Clash fans still I'm, I'm still am today you know I, I think I've only you know uh, I think when Strummer died, I was, uh, you know, I did shed a tear but I mean he, he, he you know this album in particular Sandinista was kind of the antithesis of what the class should have been about because it was like a four uh it was like four four five it was like really pompous and and you know the whole punk thing was like three minute thrash out kind of but you know the the irony of this is the clash became the band that that they'd sort of like initially sort of rebelled against so they, they, that was like really pompous drawn out for four vinyl uh four four set album and uh they just experimented with like various tracks and this particular track uh is kind of in on the dub theme because you know obviously but with that affinity with let's and and whatnot they had a real kind of love for for dub um Simonin, i think was the guy that introduced them to it and uh you know this is them this is them being being dubsters and and, and going for it you know and it's uh, it's a it's a lovely lovely track Be. He 
That was a version partner by The Clash. Um, Ord, you were just talking about being down in London. Yeah. And uh, walking around the streets That's and, right, and yeah. hearing you reggae should, in Notting Hill. there quite often, you know, first of all with parents and then with kind of friends of mine. Um, and they were all kind of West London boys. So used to be out and about in, in various parts of London. But uh, we used to gravitate towards the um, Portobello Road. Friends of ours uh, lived around the corner in a... A nice house there with his, his folks, so we always used to descend on that. So we were quite often around there, and um, you used to quite often, you know, walk, walk by a couple of shops, it'd be kind of reggae shops there uh, selling their wares, and they'd have a huge speaker outside the shop. And of course, you, you know, in the summer, the smells, all the cooking and stuff, and you just hear this soundtrack of soundtrack of kind of reggae all the time. Um, which, you know, I already had an affinity for it before then, but, they, you know, they're, they're very memorable times, you know, great times. Did you go out and about much when you came down? Yeah, yeah, we kind of did. Um, some, of my, some of my friends at, at kind of university used to used to kind of go clubbing. Um, there used to be a club called Westworld there that used to do kind of various things in swimming pools and what have you. And, uh, yeah, we'd go to kind of, kind of small clubs and, and, and kind of house parties and stuff like that. Um, but I also remember actually, you know, some of the radio stations in London having a, a, a far more eclectic kind of view on, 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 on kind of music yeah, than maybe sure. commercial stations up in Glasgow at that time. So you were hearing kind of, you know, as I said, reggae, but you were hearing kind of funk like the Peach Boys and, and all kinds of bits and bobs. So it was, it was a lovely big melting pot of, of, of great music for me. Stuart, you mentioned the radio earlier. How important was the radio to you in terms of your musical upbringing? Um, mega important, really. I mean, it was my lifeline into another world, really, you know, because, uh, especially with, with Peel, because, you know, when you live in the suburbs of, uh, you know, and you're not in the thick of things, it's and you're 12 years old, it's quite hard <laughs> to, to pick up on things. And, you know, I mean, Peel would play... He would often, quite often, play records at the wrong speed, uh, <laughs> but he would play uh, a bizarre 
array of I mean the first time I heard a hip hop record was on Peel you know a uh, first time of you know um, I heard an electro record that was on Peel but I heard lots of wonderful uh, post-punk you know yeah. Joy Division you know um, Devo I heard on, on on there I heard Suicide on there so yeah for me it was really important I, I, a lot of bands that you wouldn't have normally been introduced to through commercial radio it's a shame now that, that there isn't that life force of radio seems to be more uh, about kind of making money. I mean, that was a wonderful thing about the BBC at that point. They, they had, they definitely put the time aside to, to do something that was radically different. You know, the appeal for me was was kind of, it was all about, you know, not, not alternative in the, the sense that most people think, but you know, uh, they gave kind of peel carte blanche to, ju- yeah. to just play exactly what I wanted. And, and when you're kind of searching for something different, that's that's perfect. Uh, and so I would I would just, I would write down the names of all the <laughs> bands and, you know, like yeah. I said earlier, I'd go and buy the records and, you know. I think Radio 6 touches on that ethos a little bit, yeah. but um, yeah, not does, quite the same way that, that Peel managed to do it, you know. Uh, the amount of bands that both of us kind of discovered through him is is, is just endless, you know. Yeah, he was a uh, such a legend, wasn't he? Visionary, yeah, yeah. yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, so you guys, you guys sort of met through working at the same bar and then yeah. became friends through having similar kind of tastes in music. Yeah. Prior to that, did you maybe feel a little bit isolated in your kind of eclectic tastes, or did you have other friends that maybe you are allied with in other ways in terms of your music? Not in not in a whole, you know. Um, there were certain friends that you know I maybe go and see a reggae band with, another you know couple of friends who were interested in kind of funk, soul, disco, um, but but never never anyone that, that that had the same kind of all round kind of interest in 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 that particular type of music. Um, yeah, I suppose so. I, I never really thought about about it in in, in those kind of ways. You know, you, you you're so tied up in in finding out what this music is and getting it and and, and playing it that um, I don't know if either of us were necessarily looking for someone else to share that passion with. But when you do meet someone who who seems to have an uncanny kind of similar taste in music. Yeah, yeah like, is that, is, that, is, that a, is that a certain ratio? <laughs> you know, you're like, and know, and kind of knowledge, you know, you know yeah. and just, just all-round interest in in the same types of music. It's it's very strange. And we were actually talking a, you know, a couple of months ago, we were sitting uh, at a, a kind of German festival and we were talking about kind of records that had come out that week, <laughs> and yet again, yeah. it was all the same records yeah, we'd we, chosen. We have an uncanny, you know. <laughs> it is bizarre. It's quite, because our DJing is very much, um, I remember we played at Barkheim, somebody had been on asking what, what the track was. He sort of described the track, and then he said it was like half an hour before the end of the set. And I was like, look, man, you know, that, that would mean nothing because we don't, because we play together, because we play off the back of each other, we've no idea what what the other no person, idea what he's yeah. doing. He's no idea what is, and I love that whole, um, you know, the, the, the surprise of that, and kind of being able to do something that's that's a bit more kind of off the cuff. Uh, and uh, you know, I was like, because the set isn't, it's not a scripted set. It's not like we're going to start here and we're going to finish there. So I was like, I've no idea what that could be because <laughs> I've no, you know, like after the fact, I know certain records I might have played, but I'm, I, I certainly don't know. Uh, 
what record I played half an hour before the end, yeah. you know. <laughs> and what was the spark that kind of made you both go, let's let's start doing stuff together, you know? Like, well, you, know, you, you meet and you have the same taste in music. We, but then... We'd sort of been going to clubs and because we'd worked in the bar, we'd, <laughs> we'd, we'd, go, we'd go to clubs and, you know, we, we both had record collections, we both bought records and it was just a, it was like hey let's start DJing let's let's start I, th- I think to me thing. also yeah. is that there's a mild arrogance there that you kind of you, you feel so strongly about the music yeah. that you buy that you want to kind of let other people hear it, you know? <laughs> and it yeah. uh, it seemed quite a natural kind of bun but it, again you know back uh, when we kind of started DJing it, it, it wasn't um it was almost a way of kind of earning a little bit of money to to be able to buy more records and and it was a real burn you know wanting to to buy all these tunes that you wanted and and to to have a kind of a forum or an arena to be able to 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 play them out so to for for us both to become djs seemed a very kind of natural thing you know so we uh we investigated all kind of avenues to try and see how how we could get into the, this. The you strange know? thing was is that I, I remember just being at a club and saying to the guy who ran the club, "Can we DJ next week?" And the guy's like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, I don't know, maybe or whatever." And then I got a phone call. And he's like, can you come down and DJ? I was like, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. And, and like, you know, that would never happen. That would never happen now. But then we, so we turned up and we, we did, a, did a thing and kind of got the bug for it from there, you know. And then we started running our own nights and, you know, we knew quite a lot of people. So it was like, you know, at that point, it was like a lot of our friends coming down and, and uh, you know, that's... You had to kind of start off in kind of midweek nights because yeah. they wouldn't experiment with you at yeah. the weekend. So, you know, if that went kind of well, then they'd move you slowly I think we closer did a, to the weekend. We did a Wednesday night, didn't we? And, and uh, it got really busy yeah. very fast, and you, it was, know? you know. Was that your first one? Yes. What was the name of that? It was it was Black Market. Oh, yeah, I read about this. Yes. Yeah. And, and what was the name of the club? Fury Murray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that was a Wednesday night. and uh, But, you know, there was, there, there was a history of people going out midweek. There was a club on a Tuesday night, which was the gay club in Glasgow called Bennett's. They used to do a Tuesday night, which was a mixed club, but was pretty bizarre. Hedonistic. Pretty hedonistic, yeah, even yeah. back then. So, that was a, so people did go out a lot uh, then midweek, you know. I think when, when, when the whole... Uh, 88 thing happened uh, there was people there was nights on every night of the week you know people yeah. were going out on, you know Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and Friday so um, yeah it was also you know I think it's fair to say that um, a lot of the clubs that we kind of frequented at that time and we were out kind of four or five nights a week at that at that period um we were hearing a lot of kind of new music coming through, you know, kind of slightly tougher, maybe didn't sit with some of the music policies of the venues we were um, um, frequenting. And there was also a, a kind of, I don't know, there was an unsaid kind of door policy in Glasgow for you had to be a certain type of person to get into a certain type of venue. And I think there was a real driver for us not only to kind of bring this kind of newer music in large amounts to, 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 to our nights, but also to kind of, break a few kind of stereotypes with the type of people that go to the certain certain kind of types of club so um and of course it was just prior to the kind of 88 explosion so um we were lucky enough to kind of ride that wave uh mm. when it when it hit mm. um but it was uh yeah as Stuart said a lot of people going out at that time what do you remember about the the sort of summer of love sort of when, think, when it hit you know what, what, see, prior, I just go prior to this because I yeah. remember we used to 
We used to go down, at this point, we used to make some trips down to London. We'd go to the WAG or, and then I, I remember going to Heaven. And oh, nice. I, th- I think Frankie Knuckles had some sort of residency there. And I remember going in one night and hearing uh, a whole night of house music. Especially it, No Way Back. Yeah, well, he played like a, a, a kind of, I don't know, it must have been a, like a, a half an hour version of, but that was the biggest track Adonis. of the time. There was another version by two Porter Ricans, a Dominican and a black man. It was like, and that was, it was, it, they played like a mixture of this record. They cut it up and it, and, and I remember just being so impressed by that whole process. I'd never, you know, from the dub days, I'd never heard anyone play like that. It was, that, that was a real affinity. And then it was, uh, I think that's when we decided, that's when we really got into house music, wasn't it? We, <laughs> we, we, we sort of kind of, and then, when it when it dropped, it was it was like it was a it was a year zero the whole eight thing. <laughs> I mean, basically you had uh, out of, with the old and you had you had funk and soul clubs, and then they had this new thing, which was just overnight mm. changed and brought people from loads of different backgrounds. We could do we could go to like we we did a night in Tim Pan Alley, which was like a basement of a, a, a kind of essentially a gangsters club and. And, this was the uh, first ever slam night yeah. under the under the name slam and uh you know it, it was it was just quite hedonistic from the start and uh it was a place that no one would go but because there was a, this strange new music happening people were you know they they had to come you know we quickly i think we only did it for like i don't know a few months Three, four months. As you say, if you yeah. were there, it, you shouldn't <laughs> so, be able to remember. Yeah. <laughs> so, I only did it for a, a really short time, but in that time, it was it was a sort of changing of the, uh, uh, you know, a, a sort of starting at a year yeah, zero. Yeah, kind of cleaning the yeah, slate. Cleaning the yeah, slate. Very much. Brilliant. We'll carry on talking about that after the next song that we have lined up. Aphex Twin, that. Yeah, that. I mean, this is from uh, the selected ambient works. I mean, his, I love... Richard, uh, the Aphex Twin stuff is just, it's, it's incredible. It's out there. And this particular track, I, I think the reason I've chosen this is, you know, given uh, that it is a sort of desert island discs, it's very contemporary sounding even now. You know, it still has a, a lot of, you could probably play this in, in, in a set now and it wouldn't it wouldn't sound No, it wouldn't jar. No, but it's, uh, yeah. Man's a, man's a genius, huh? Yeah. Thank you. 
So that was Aphex Twin, the, from his uh, selected ambient works. Um, how much of an influence would you say Aphex Twin has been on you guys in terms of your approach to production? I mean, not not a, not a great influence, I wouldn't say. I think more of his attitude, you know, I love... We played, we DJed with Richard once. We did a club in London with Richard. Turnmills? Yeah. And, um, Not there anymore. He just had, a, he had this guy who looked exactly like him, but it was like a wee short guy. Like, <laughs> a mini-me. You know, like a mini-me, almost. Like, and, you know, just Richard. Just it was strange. Yeah, strange. he's a strange guy. To, you know, he kind of has a weird approach. I think it's. I think the thing with, with the FX Twins is more about his approach to, to music and his ethos behind, you know, his anonymity and, uh, and stuff like that, you know. Um, but it's hard to say what influence each individual no, 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 artist has no, no, no. had. It's like I think, you know, they just things do seep in. You know, uh, I remember when this record came out, it was just so different to to anything that went on, uh, almost unachievable. You know, when I when I when I heard it at first, I was like, that's really. It did sound really complex at that point, actually. Yeah. You know. Um, and we were just kind of finding our way around studios yeah, at that so time. It so sounded it really, was... really accomplished it, yeah. for me at that point. And we were just talking about the the punk ethos, and I guess mm. Aphex Twin kind of embodies that himself, yes. doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that's yeah, yeah that, that's definitely his thing. I mean, uh, it's just it's bizarre. I mean, some of the videos he made later. Um, Fun, uh, I mean, where, you yeah, know, it's the whole package, especially the it? window liquor video. It was, it was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah, I think Disturbing. we had, we had uh, in some office we had the calendar <laughs> up on the wall. <laughs> Which was the one with um, the stills? All the get all the all the kind of uh, scantily clad That's women right. with, with Miami with his face. Yeah, yeah. 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 Still, still get flashbacks with, with the evil eyes and you know, <laughs> stuff like that. But I think we use the cliche, isn't it? Dare to be different, you know. And and, and this guy has trod his own path um, since the very beginning, and mm. it's uh, just a lot of respect for him. And so have you both, though. You know, you, you, especially with you know Soma and your nights and everything like that. It's, it's yeah. always there's always been a, a very strong element of independence to what you do. Yeah, and I, I, guess, I guess that's just something that that, that comes with, uh, you know, I, I probably not. It's not contrived in any way. I, I don't think it. I think it's just, you know, obviously growing up with the with the kind of punk and um, post punk. Uh, ethos it's kind of you know that I mean it, it, you know people say why did you decide to start a, a record label so early on and it was I think it was you know it was it, for me it felt perfectly natural you know factory did it you know uh, Warp. And, 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 and I guess at that point there wasn't any infrastructure for 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 releasing the music unless you did mm, it yourself yeah. you had to you had to uh, I mean soma was kind of set up as a as, as primarily a vehicle for us to release our own productions and 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 back in the beginning so uh, you know it was very um you know they're, they're, I think they're rubber stamped at the beginning which I love, you know, I love that idea. I think they were numbered in rubber yeah, stamp. We were first yeah. sitting in someone's was, bedroom uh, was, stamping was, was, rubber, was rubber stamped, and that's so punk, yeah, you know, that's, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. that's so... Um, yeah, but it, there was there was a lack of understanding um, within the kind of wider kind of musical... Um, uh, family in the in the UK, you know, it's um, mm. they they didn't really understand this new type of music coming in, and they certainly weren't going to give any support to it, you know. Um, but I, we weren't interested. We weren't interested, you know, in in having any kind of major support or any ties. No, and and, and you know, it's also like you know, for for twenty five years plus, we've also. 
Um, there's never been a kind of commercial consideration in any of the choices that we've ever made musically. We've always put music out because we've liked the music. Yeah, <laughs> That's quite yeah, naive. Yeah. You know, we've never really kind of made a compromise and said, well, that'll sell a lot or how much do you think that'll sell? That's never been uh, anything we've, we've, never. We've, we've, you know, thought about really. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it changed the musical landscape in a sense because people had always thought of releasing music as four guys and, and instruments, you know, and, and that's another kind of um, tie in with the dub thing, you know, it became something different. It was faceless in a sense, you know, beautifully faceless, you know, which 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 was great. What was the, the faceless techno bollocks? I think it was, used to be a, a, a t-shirt that, <laughs> yeah, back in the day. And, you know, it was wonderfully faceless, but, but it's faceless. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it doesn't have to have this kind of whole criticism. other thing. No, no. You know, it's just, it's, it is what it is. It's it's music. And, 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 and I think you described it as, it's, it's, it's not made to be liked. No, you know? no, no. <laughs> it doesn't want it's, to be liked. It's, yeah, yeah. it's music that, that, that's made to be heard, you know, in a completely different environment. It's not... Uh, it's music that's meant to be mashed up with other people's work. I mean, that's that was uh, maybe if you're new to DJing or or you're kind of you don't uh, get the concept of what it was like initially. Uh, you, you know, you, you would people were sort of quite heavily programmed to listen to an album from start to finish, and then when the whole DJing uh, culture came across, it was it was more about letting people hear music in a different context and 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 you know introducing other other elements other people's records to it so it just instantly kind of opened the doors for to to, to do something completely different and, and for that reason it was it was something that was quite hard hard to grasp for uh, you, you know, a major record company, for example, because they would always be like, oh, "How do we package yeah, this? Or yeah. How do we how do we do this or whatever?" But these are, these essentially are, are kind of tools which which can be you know played in different contexts, uh, you know, m many different forms. It seems as though even from the very early days when you're listening to reggae and stuff, that there was never really any other pathway for you guys than like going down like quite non uncompromising <laughs> non mainstream route. Is yeah. that is it safe to say that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's always something for others to to say uh, about yeah, it. Yeah, uh, not, not necessarily. It. Yeah, I mean, I think I think what we we've never really had. I mean, there was, there was a whole thing when in the nineties when 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 there was a uh, super club stuff going on, mm. and uh, I think we 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 we'd we'd been doing nights at the Arches, which were getting you know two thousand people back then, but the DJs were like Richie Hart and Jeff Mills, and so there was like a we we didn't we had like lots of people coming to our nights, but we never we never went down we never were involved in that route. We were we were doing something different at that point, which uh, I, I'm pleased about. You know, um, yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, I guess when you don't live in the, a media capital, you know, you're kind of shut off a little bit from what what else is going on. You can, you can read it and about it in magazines or whatever but you're not uh, you know London London is still the, the, the media very media driven I think you know mm. but yeah, you know stylistic. we were never really we were never really, so we, we we were allowed to kind of uh, develop forge yeah. our own path in a sense do you um, can you sort of pinpoint a moment where you felt like this is something that's going to be going on for quite a while now. This is like I, I don't th I don't know about the longevity of the whole scene because we've always kind of spent our entire career not necessarily 
kind of even knowing what you're doing next week or what have <laughs> you. There's never been a kind of grand plan. But I remember knowing when it had become something that I never imagined. And it, we, we did a gig in Glasgow at the tramway. And um, yeah, that yeah. Uh, it's that well, that that's it. We, we we'd been kind of doing clubs before that, and uh, we teamed up with you know some other kind of partners to to do a kind of Scottish tour, which culminated in a a, a kind of finale at at the Tramway, and it was a, a kind of large venue for about I don't know two three thousand people, um, yeah. quite special, decked out, and we had people like Eight to Eight State and 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 Derek May and various other kind of people coming up. And we ended up with like four or five thousand people outside wanting to get in. You know, we we barely got in ourselves, and we were <laughs> we were meant to be performing at it. Yeah. And that's when I kind of realised that that this was it, it it become far bigger than I ever imagined it would. When you know you I saw mean, the growth. When when you think about from what we went when we started in a basement for two hundred people, and to the party Orb was talking about for, you know, 5,000 people outside. I mean, that was partly the, the media hysteria, partly the, the being there at the right time. But it, it, we, you didn't have time to stop. That was in space of, like, um, uh, months. That wasn't, that wasn't, that, 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 that <laughs> yeah, 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 I think it was like a year. I think a the tramway year, was in 89. Yeah, in bit, yeah. Uh, and I think, yeah, the tramway was 1989. We'd started in the summer of 88, so we're, it was less than 12 months that, that, that this whole thing had just... It happened really quickly, and I remember a girl asking me, "What are you going to do when all this stops <laughs> <laughs> in a club one night?" And, and I was genuinely upset because I, th- I thought, "Well, hang on a minute, I've never, I've not really thought about it." I know, I know. And, and, and I, I think about what she said, like after all this time, when we're, 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 we're sitting here talking now, it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll still be doing it. You know, I would never have thought that I'd still be, still be doing it after all this time. Brilliant, man. you know. And I think with us, it's we, we don't really. We're never, you know, we're we're not a time to be nostalgic about it, and we're not really nostalgic mm. people. We don't really hark back to, you know. This is why it's strange having this conversation because we don't we don't often do that that often. But we we're kind of in the moment people, or mm. you know, I think when you look at Soma, and you know, we're we're, we're always trying to forge a really a new path. We're always trying to bring more interesting elements to what we're doing. We're, we're always sourcing new music, you know, with Slam Radio and all that. We're always looking over the brow of the hill to see see what what's interesting in the future. So we'll, I guess that's why we're still we're still doing it. Yeah, it's, so all, it's always made, day one. We've made our own thing, you know. <laughs> we've not we've not kind of just sat about and played it, you know. Essentially, we've always played techno, but we've always looked for interesting new new sounds and. New new records and new artists. Can't see that changing. Actually, yeah. can't see that changing. I, I don't know. I'd rather look forward than look back. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 100%. Let's have a listen to the next song then. Speaking about forward thinking, Tangerine Dream, movements yeah. of a visionary. <laughs> yes. This is a this is I mean, Tangerine Dream as they are like a special yeah. little unit, aren't they? So. They are, and I mean, the reason I chose this record, but I mean, I, 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 this is something I came on to quite late, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I would never. It, it would have been probably too. I guess it was, pro, it was part of that progressive rock thing. You know, there's two tracks from that era that stand out for me. There's this one, and there's the Pink Floyd one, um, for the, uh, on the run, from uh, you know, you know, which is a fantastic. Uh, proto techno workout you know it's it's something that, that that when you listen to now makes complete sense 
you know, yeah. uh, and 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 talking about it being ahead of their time. This, these guys were really ahead of their time. But it was a, it was a genre that you kind of, as you were growing up, you if you you know into reggae and funk and yeah. electronica, it was it was kind of something maybe your big brother would listen to or, yeah. or something, and you were like that. I'm not into that. I'm not. So you maybe didn't give it its credence at the time. It's very out there. It's very esoteric. It's very out there, and it's very uh, it's ve- it's very for the head. So it's it's, it's relevance now is is. It, it, is uh, you know it fits in really well with what kind of music we listen to now but it was made in 1974 <laughs> or something <laughs> let's have a little listen yeah Thank you. 
So that was Tangerine Dream, Movements of a Visionary. That's like eight minutes long, and it's uh, it's quite a journey, isn't it? It is a journey, and it's so contemporary. It, really I, I, it just sounds really like it could have been made yesterday by someone. You know, it, it does have that. I guess it's is that does that mean music hasn't moved on that much, or does that mean that they they were kind of ahead of the curve, as the the, tr- the track title suggests, visionaries? Uh, I would say you know. They, they, they were visionaries in, in the sense of, you know, though them and Kraftwerk, I think, especially, you know, Kraftwerk were, um, you know, light years ahead of anyone. You know, they set almost set like a blueprint for what came later or no what, doubt. what could be done. I mean, you listen, and, you know, they haven't dated Kraftwerk, no, have they? I mean, no. if you listen to it, like, or, or that particular track, you, you listen back and it sounds, still sounds pretty contemporary and fresh. It's like we were saying when it was playing, it's like 40 years old plus, and it's yeah, just, you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's just that use of, like, early Moogs, you know, using internal clocks, and, and, and you know, I, I, we were joking about the fact that they, that was that was probably one of many takes <laughs> that they'd done and, 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 on, a, on a sort of one you know they kind of think right let's just go for this I've got a good sequence I'll bring these kind of mad chords in yeah, you yeah. know and it's like it, it, it's essentially it's really organic um, because it sounds like a jam you know mm. but I wonder how many jams hit the floor you know or they were like, well, I'm not, I'm not into that. Or, yeah. you know, I wonder how many lost Tangerine Dream tracks there's been because they didn't work out. <laughs> but <laughs> with, with it might the, have sounded amazing to them yeah, now, you know. Yeah, well, with yeah. the equipment that they had back then as well, the chances yeah. are that they would have lost a few. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah. I spoke to Juan Atkins earlier this year, and he was yeah. he was talking about the amount of stuff that he lost just because yeah. the equipment failed. Oh, yeah, and right, stuff, that's you know? right. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, well, yeah. we, we when we first started um, programming, we, 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 we worked with a, an Insonic EPS. Which would continually crash, and you would lost entire you, tracks. You would lose tracks all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you know things would sound, even though they weren't different, things would sound different to how you imagined them. So if you come in the next day, you know that that synth that yeah, synth sounds not yeah. the same. You know that or or but, you know. But the work. I mean, some of this there's this kind of old software. Um, we used to have to leave on. Yeah. Because it would heat up and sound different. Yeah. You know, an hour yeah, after yeah. you turned it on. And we made a mistake quite a few times turning keyboards off and expecting the sound to be there the next day. Yeah. And it just never happened. So, yeah, there were quite a few sessions where we just left everything on, you know, for like nine days in a row until, you know, the final mix down. So, yeah, they, they, they you know, um, hardware is very temperamental. Yeah, there, there is definitely something in it when us journalists say that there's a warm sound, isn't there? It's like, there is actually a warm there's sound a to things. And, yeah, there's a warmth that comes from it, for sure. And there's, you know, there's definitely a, like some that, uh, you know, when we're talking about that particular track, you can, I mean, we do it all the time. We, we you know, we, we just, we've just uh, recently ventured into the world of modu- modular synths and we tend to just record things. And as soon as you try and, sanitize that mm. and sort of bring it back and try and you know place it into a you know a, a kind of more coherent structure it it, it loses something lost, yeah, you know? yeah yeah and i think you know it's good to have that raw edge but there's something in your mind saying no you can't leave it like that you need to, yeah, yeah. You need to bring it back and you need to you need to <laughs> and, and sometimes all the best sounds are ones that you could never imagine, you mm-hmm. know, they're not like you go searching for that sound, you know, it's, it's, um, I suppose 
you know, for want of a better word, the, the happy accident, you yeah, know, yeah. where it's something you really never imagined before. There were things that really turn you on. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of um, producers that I've spoken to who work predominantly with analogue equipment yeah. and they, they say that they, they switch on the machines and they feel like they're alive and yeah. they've almost got a life of their own and because they can be unpredictable, you know, you, yeah. you don't know what's going to come out of them. We used to have, we, we, we kind of started collecting a ridiculous amount of uh, <laughs> uh, Roland yeah. uh, kit and we still got everything. We've never sold. We've, we've always got bought. We've never a- sold. Away, um, you know, we've got. You know, we've got like. Um, you know. Rolling, you name it. Yeah. <laughs> we've got Jupiter Six. You know. But it was a, there was uh, a stage um, where X Three P. You know. There was a stage where um, there were new keyboards coming out and software had just started to kind of appear on the on the market and. The, a lot of people were getting rid of their old kind of um, keyboards, you know, to, mm. to replace them with kind of the newer versions or, or you know, new software versions. So we went through a, a, a long period of, of trawling the kind of secondhand shops, just picking up yeah. stuff that was like really classic for us. But I don't think people quite realised what they had. Um, so we were picking stuff up all the time for a period at real steel kind of type prices. But um, as Stuart says, we've uh, we've always bought and never sold. But uh, it does cause kind of uh, stories yeah. problems. <laughs> I was about to say that. Oh, like the, the, that, that that JX3P that we bought for like nothing, God, and nothing, then we, then, yeah. then we we sourced the controller, which which the one one is not one is one is nothing <laughs> without, you know, the, without other, right. the other. That's a you know. It did take us like yeah. nearly twelve years to find the programmer for it, though. <laughs> you know, program, so. Yeah. Um, uh, we we had been using it in kind of various ways, but the programmer just opens it all up, and yeah, we we've just always kept an eye. Uh, it d- did get to a stage where we we knew we had to kind of slow down a little bit. We mm. just literally didn't have kind of space for, for for more and more kind of keyboards but uh i still think that's a, it, it's 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 a great way you know uh of kind of picking up new sounds probably sources. say it probably you know has been particularly bad at sound design at that time <laughs> <you know? laughs> that, that we, we couldn't you know because most people you speak to would say it's not these are nice things that, as, as a collector which we've you know by default became collectors of, of analog equipment um Essentially, people say you can achieve the same results with 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 most you know keyboard like whether it's a Juno yeah. one or six or, or whatever if you spend the time and you know what you're doing. We've got but we've got a lot better at that yeah, <laughs> as, yeah, yeah. as we've got older, you know. And how did you first kind of step foot over from DJing into producing and getting to grips with synths and all that kind of? Well, we just we met Glenn, didn't we? And yeah. Uh, two, two friends of ours uh, were, were in a band at that time, weren't yeah. they? And uh, they had a friend who had a studio, um, which was reasonably kind of well, um, kind of stocked with uh, a good desk, good monitors, some kind of sound isolation and some very kind of basic kind of early sampling and what have you. But the, the, the whole desire to, to move from a point of kind of playing music to, to, to actually making something that... Um, you know, was was your own again? Was just seemed very natural for us. You yeah. know, to want to, to to produce something along the same levels of a lot of the music you were you were kind of buying and um, uh, having met Glenn and Jim. Um, you know, various kind of late night sessions and chatting. Eventually, went into kind of studio together to try and kind of do we're, something. We're, 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 we're DJs first. And yeah. primarily producers second. I think we're still DJs first. I, I think 
you know, that's one one. Yeah, the, the, the balance hasn't hand, changed, has know, it? No, it's. Uh, I still, when when people say you're a producer, I never go, "Hey, I'm a producer." <laughs> you know, it's like uh, yeah, I'd say I'm a DJ. That or uh, we're DJs who make music. We're not kind of we're not you know producers. I think we've got a little bit better at, at it as time has gone on, and it takes us. You know, it used to take us like like two weeks to make a track or whatever. <laughs> we used to we used to be really slow at doing it. Um, and now I think it takes sometimes takes two two hours to make you know it can be anywhere for all the best things we've done have been done really yeah, quickly yeah, exactly you know, yeah yeah the best ideas come together very quickly oh yeah I, and don't need a lot of parts yeah. you no know, don't need a lot of parts it's everything just works with everything else I have to say in, in in all my years of interviewing people and reading biographies by musicians that's one of the most consistent things yeah. that always comes yeah. through yeah the good things come quickly yeah I think it, it, it just it's a magical thing when you hit the studio and everything comes together like that. Yeah. It's it's a magical thing, and it's the most frustrating thing when it doesn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah, um, I, be, I believe uh, positive education was was one of those, wasn't it? It was. I mean, it, that's a kind of track of two halves, though, because the the initial parts came very quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and 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 it was actually it started off as something else and. I think we very very quickly realised that this this had to be our, one of our tracks, yeah. um, but uh, it, we actually spent about like two and a half weeks mixing it down. Do you know what I mean? Just kind of to tinkering with sounds and levels and yeah, stuff like yeah. that to 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 to, to maybe have, have got the sound that it, you know for, for a lot of people has lasted a long time. But uh, the initial parts were I remember very quite, the eleventh hour. Yeah, uh, there was part. some. <laughs> little hook thing that had been annoying us for the whole session and it's like no you've got to leave that in like I think Jim, Jim and Glenn were like you've got to leave that in man that's amazing. and I was part. like no, that, 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 that's coming out we have to get rid of that so we replaced that by strings at the 11th hour we just went well we need to change that it's got to come out and I'm so pleased that we did <laughs> because if we, you know, if we'd kept that other, uh, might, yeah, might, bit and I don't think it might it would have been the same a real bug bear. Yeah, it wouldn't have been the same track, you know. And you've you've credited that as being the the track that kind of launched Soma and and pro- probably pushed you guys a, 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 yeah. a bigger step further forward too. Yeah, I think it came along at a certain time when, you know, it's interesting because we we often speak about this and how. Uh, music was less homogenised at that that point. Oh yeah, totally. And I think yeah. I think people uh, were kind of almost isolated from each other. So there was loads of interesting music happening, which sounded different. Which, uh, as a DJ at that point, was a challenge to make to fit together. You know, I think I think that was it was good coming up through that time because the music Carl Craig would have made would be different from the music Jeff would have made, uh, the mu- you know the music that you know someone else in some other part of America made would be completely different because it would be a completely different set of influences and records weren't necessarily made from they weren't thought about oh how can I mix that yeah, in yeah. or so you had to be creative about how you programmed music or how you put music together, but it just seemed at that, that time. I think maybe partly because of that, that there was so many great records released, like and that have stood the test of time. There's like you know Energy Flash and you know stuff like that, and, and you know certain Mills tracks and yeah, Transmat stuff, Transmat. You know that just that just still that they're really radically different, but somehow connected. You know. 
yeah, I guess it's one of those things, isn't it? It's early on with, with a lot of genres, whether it's funk or soul or techno, yeah. in those early days, you have people that are just kind of like, I really like this. I'm going to experiment with this sound and I'm going to play around with it. Yeah. And it just ends up having their own personal spin on it because yeah. whether it's due to their locality or due to their lack of equipment or their abundance of equipment or whatever yeah. it was, yes. it kind of influences yeah. it and just creates these different offshoots of what is essentially the same thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, it was it was a challenge back then to make some make some tracks. Well, I mean, there wasn't as, you know... There wasn't, you know, when some when when Beltran put uh, energy flash, there wasn't a hundred other energy flashes came <laughs> no. after it. You know, it was like that was it. That was it. <laughs> yeah. That was the energy flash, and then people would move on. You know, uh, but now when something becomes a, a, a popular sound, mm. people tend tend, tend tend to rinse it. Or, yeah. and I think that's partly due to the kind of globalization and, and the kind of the, the easy access into which people can access the music it's it's kind of the internet as it, it, it's, it's great because there's probably more great music now than ever mm-hmm. but you have to search for it yeah and it's, it's probably more homogenized than ever you know it's probably you know a lot of it sounds similar or you know a lot there's lots of different versions of different tracks that mm. you know totally agree yeah. totally agree man let's have a listen to the next song Steve Reich's Ice Cream Van by application. Yeah, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I, 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 yeah. When we had this, first had this, I yeah. remember you were like, this is fantastic. Yeah, totally you, agree. You know, be, being a, a sort of what we spoke about earlier, being a lover of Peel, I'd probably just buy this record for the title alone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, application of, like, uh, you know, it's Black Black Dog, yeah, and yeah. I, I, I know we're involved in this. But uh, this was... This is just such an amazing piece of music. It's disturbing and it's wonderful at the same time, you know. Um, when did we discover this? A few years? It's oh, only a couple uh, of years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's quite recent, Always isn't it? Always yeah. fans of the Black Dog. Always. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, you'll know why it's called Steve Rice's <laughs> King Van when you have a listen. Yeah, let's go for it.
Right, so that was Application with Steve Reich's Ice Cream Van. Um, we were just saying, uh, just talking about listening to the radio and um, and obviously still listening to the radio now, as, as you yeah. did back then. And um, that that whole thing of, of digging for records and searching for records, it's it's still with you guys, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. It's still there. Oh, like, yeah, 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 very yeah. much so. I mean, I, I, we, I spent so much time, <laughs> I think even now, probably more time than back in the day. It was, quite, you know... I think there was a, you know, it was quite possible that a lot of people would play the same music. I think what's interesting about now is the fact that there's, uh, it's an exponential rise in in the amount of music that, that's out there. So you have to kind of find you could you you know and and you you, you can be quite confident sometimes that somebody's not going to play the same music. You know, you can I remember back in the day you could maybe turn up and somebody would played three or four of the records that just that before you were going to go on. Yeah. So now, but now is it's it, you know it does I, still happen. I think though. I think you know that rather than the the, the time spent you know going through racks and record shops which 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 you know uh we enjoyed immensely it was it was it was always great fun to to source music in a record shop it's a, a great experience i think that's been sort of replaced by the arduous task of actually sort of going through mm. you know and you know listening online sites and yeah and um going through various promos or or whatever that you know the time that's spent by going to the record shop and kind of doing all that has been spent, you know, listening in front to of it. a screen. But it's always, but I think it's a good. That, that it's, it makes it's a part of being a DJ or part of um, presenting music is that you know that's a. It's not just turning up with 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 the CDJ or whatever and playing a whole bunch of tracks. It's it's about kind of the, trying to present something different as well. I think anyway. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I would agree. I would agree. Probably do spend more time now actually kind of trying mm-hmm. to source music, but um, there are so many different avenues, you know, that, that, mm-hmm. that you kind of plunder to try and find these kind of special tunes, you know. Lucky enough, as you know, we, we, we are on quite a few kind of mailing lists, so you do get a lot of stuff kind of up front, but um, it's becoming ridiculous, you know. You're, you're having to kind of introduce your own filters where the record shop used to do it kind of for you a little bit. Yeah. Um, but you've got to, it, there's just too much music out there. You can't possibly, you've also got to accept that you are going to miss some things. And, and um, that's the not, hardest thing, actually, not is, is, up. is uh, the missing. Because, uh, you know, inherently being a train spotter, the fact that you, that you, you we, I get, I, I know, I know, and I know, or does. <laughs> we both get fever, you know, feverish about missing one track. <laughs> and it's like oh, I missed that. How did I miss that? And it's like if you, you know, it doesn't really matter essentially because you know, music being the way music is nowadays, it doesn't really. There's, there's always other tracks to. You couldn't play all that music in no. one set anyway. So you have to, as Odd says, introduce your own filters and and try and you know I, I be think- be a bit less. Uh, eclectic in a sense you, we've, we've probably became a bit more focused on, on, on what, what it is we, we, we want to play you know? I think also you know when we were speaking to Zach DVS1 you know he was um, saying that 
he doesn't mind playing something that's maybe a couple of months yeah. old. Oh, yeah. You know, this idea that yeah. it must just, no one else will have heard it and you've got to be the first to play it. It's not always particularly healthy. And quite often, you know, sometimes I'll go back to a kind of playlist that's about four or five months old and, you, and there'll be a, a real gem there that you just didn't play at the time. But, mm. you know, it's equally as uh, as, as brilliant now. And, and, and it's maybe a track no one's, you know, had anyone else play, but it's um. So yeah, it's it's you know it's it's um, yeah, it's a, a different kind of game well, at, at the moment. That's it, isn't it? It's like if if you're a DJ and you're wanting to present a particular sound or a particular style or just showcase what you're about, it's not always about what's the latest thing on, yeah. on what's what's yeah. what's not even out yeah. yet. More often than not, it's about an older thing you know I, 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 hear, I hear more and more of that you know like a, a, people a, dropping a, in yeah, yeah like an old track. DJ Bone track that was released in the 90s or you know an, an old you know a, a lot of people you know you hear playing a few choice older tracks mm. that are quite hard to, to find and it's it, 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 that's an, another thing that that's, it's quite nice when yeah. you discover a few yeah. tracks like that that are um, kind of that were released that, that somehow maybe didn't uh, resonate with people at that time. Yeah, but, but now it does. Now, yeah, yeah. Where, where, there's a, a, a DJSP track, I can't remember the name of the track now, which could have been on Pole Group. Hmm. But when you listen to when you listen to it, you're like, man, man that was made in '99. But it sounds <laughs> amazing. Now. It just sounds amazing. Just fits really perfectly into what what I'm doing now. And that's like that's great. Because it always throws people. We're, we're, what's yeah, this track? Yeah. Or, you know? It's almost harder to find yeah. an old track than it yeah, is a new yeah, track. Yeah. You know, because then you have people that are, that are actually going back and trying to find yeah. those gems yeah. to present those as like you yeah. know, oh, check out what I've got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And you know, there are other times where you think, you know, well, will I play that? You know, is that a bit obvious? And it might be obvious to you, but but to to the crowd you're you're standing in front of, they may never have heard it before. So yeah. you know, it's it's questioning yourself sometimes as to which track to play definitely spoken to a few djs who have been approached by someone from the crowd going oh my god what's this is it brand new and they've gone no it's 20 years old mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's jeff mills bells just <laughs> 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 something i don't know <laughs> and so um we're sat here and soma school is based here and i, yeah. I just wanted to speak a little bit about that because um I feel like you guys with your, with your DIY ethos and your, your independent ethos, um, you've been really important to the development of, of, of techno in Glasgow. Yeah. And, and not, not just Glasgow, but in the rest of the world too. But essentially in, in Glasgow, you've, you've really you know, been people that have pushed things forward here and supported mm. and nurtured the scene. Yeah. And, and you know, and has that always been something that you've been conscious of doing? I think it, 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 it partly stems from there, there not being that um, set up at the beginning. Yeah, when support when we started, network when you know, we started. You know, I think it, it, it's, it's probably the main reason why we wanted to become DJs in the first place was to... to selfishly in part <laughs> our <laughs> musical taste on others but uh you know yeah i think i, I think you know like like soma school um the arts council gave us a grant fantastic to to to, to go and uh you know you know at that point it was in the arches and and, and it was uh covering all aspects of the music industry because there wasn't anything at that point which 
tackled if you you know if you wanted to be a music lawyer or you wanted to be you know sell software or you wanted to do any of that you know music management you know yeah. the soma school would cover all of these things we'd get various people along to, to in panels to talk about them and uh, you know that wasn't an issue that that, that would that would never happen before there was nothing you know in the music business in general mm. wasn't treated like a proper business yeah you know people <laughs> would think oh you want to be you know and that was unfortunately now we don't get the grants to do it but back then, oh, on that scale, we back yeah. then we did, and 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 some of the school has manifested itself uh, with Simon, who's Petricor, who's involved in recording with Soma, and he now runs, you know, essentially uh, Ableton classes, and uh, that's how it's that's how that's the way it's going now. Yeah, and has various so people, younger, yeah, has various so people come in and give lectures about kind of music production or, or what have you. But, but back to the original Soma School, I think it was a, a realization that for a lot of people, people saw the music business as you had to be in a band and you had to make music. Mm-hmm. But I think it was important for us to, to make people realize that the music business is is far more varied than that you know and that there are jobs in lots of different kind of sides of the music industry that 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 i think a lot of people aren't aware of you know or or, you know maybe they stumble across you know further down the line um so yeah we've always tried to kind of you know uh put 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 back into you know um the, the kind of music industry that we we grew up surrounded by and try to make it kind of better and and trying to encourage other people to adopt the kind of independent ethos that we we um, have followed i guess with the the amount of different projects that you've been involved in over the years that you're you're well versed and sort of in in a good position to be able to impart to people that there are so many different aspects to the business whereas yeah. maybe back then if you'd only been djing Perhaps you might not have had such a, a wider, yeah. wide perspective. Might have come across as being a bit arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> I think it surprised us actually when we started Soma just how how the the kind of mechanical side of things, you know, mm. registering for for, um, for 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 PRS or, or you know mm. publishing and and you know sleeve production, artwork, you know, uh, uh, advertising, media. Um, it, it's all stuff that we had to kind of learn along yeah. the way, and you never, you never stop learning. No, that stuff. no, you know, exactly. it's, it's, you know, you'd be a fool to to think that you know you can never, you know, because it's changing. I mean, the music industry changes; it's changing, you know, by the by the day or you know by the year, yeah, month by the year. Yeah, it's there's always the constant flow of new ideas and, and new so music coming be. in. So there should be, yeah. you know, you should never stand still. Um, no, we're all for that. And how do you kind of feel about where techno stands today? Because you know, it's, it's as you said before, it's kind of like it's it's uncompromising. It's almost like made not to be liked. <laughs> and um, I think it, 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 it's a global language as well. I mm, mean, it's just absolutely I've everywhere. Seen, I've seen I've seen techno rise and you know, it's roller coaster, isn't it? You know, it's 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 kind of I've seen it. You know, its popularity go up and down throughout the years and I think what we're going through now is definitely one of the ups I think it's um, and partly that is the, the, the creativity which has been put into the scene you know the, the right clubs that people can engage with and say well that you know the right events and I think we're definitely in a, in a good time now I think 
as I said, it's it, it, you know the the honesty with the, within the music. It's not it, it, you know I wouldn't I wouldn't think it's fair to say it's all self indulgent. If you understand the genre, you know it's something oh, yeah. that's quite easily engaged with. So, mm. but um, I think now it 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 feels like an un. Um, it's untampered with commercially somehow. I think you know with with other genres, it, they, they they quite easily slip into the mainstream. Or you know if you know often things are cherry picked and you know you know I seen it happen a little bit with House actually, which was a bit of a shit. I seen the, yeah. the, that it got like you know all of a sudden I was hearing sounds and. In records on the radio that I were like that that, that that sounds like it could have been in a Kevin Saunderson record. Or, yeah. You know, I, I heard I heard that, but but I think techno's uh, it hasn't been it hasn't been um, you know hasn't been pushed into to, yeah. to the mainstream and in, in in a sort of truer source, if you will. You know, I think there's there's elements of techno in some ways it keeps which, pulling which, away, uh, which keeps pulling that. away from you know that. Uh, but that that's the the debate. I mean, we're not like crazy purists or anything like that. But uh, but we are. No, we're <laughs> not. We're not. We're not. We're not, we're not purists in any way. But there isn't that. The, you know, you hear people saying that, that that's not that's in the techno chart and that's not techno or whatever. But hey, what does it really matter? Yeah, yeah people are going to split hairs yeah, about absolutely. genres, aren't yeah. they? But yeah, yeah. I think there's a there's there's a thing that I found which is with friends of mine who listen to a lot of electronic music but maybe don't go as deep as somebody who's like really fanatical about it and you, I've, I've often heard people go oh yeah I really like house but techno is just too heavy for me it's too you know it's a bit yeah. and it, it can it can sort of like push people away but I quite like that because yeah. if you're in it you're in it well, I, I quite like I, I quite like how everyone doesn't like it yeah you know? <laughs> I, 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 and you know that that's that might sound a, a bit of a strange statement but I, I, I think you know, it's not always asked to be like. I think you've got to you get into it a bit more, and uh, you know, I don't. I, I, you know, I, I, I've always sort of quite like difficult music. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I mean, it, it, you know, our sets are when you hear our, we, we when we play, we're, we're not playing um, that end of the spectrum almost. But we'll introduce elements of it. But you know, it's uh, it's that's the that's the exciting part about I, being a DJ is to try and into you know to try and introduce elements that you like and introduce elements that you think will work yeah I just, I just don't think everyone has to like the same type of music yeah it's no. true there doesn't yeah. have to be a consensus I think when you know I sometimes read interviews or hear kind of people speaking about it as if the their idea of good music is is what everyone else should agree with or mm. that, that that isn't what music's about you know you take from it what, what you kind want. of what yeah. you want and what turns you on and and you know it, that that's the, the the difference in the diversity is 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 what's so good about the kind of dance music scene you know it, it doesn't you know because you like a, a certain style of music doesn't make you kind of better or, or in, in any respects you know kind of it's just different and nobody's got the right to to tell anybody what they can and can't listen to as absolutely. well no, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so speaking about techno the the next track that we're going to play is probably we consider these guys to be uh, the the sort of uh, godfathers of yeah. techno. Yeah, it's the band. Well, we've seen the most. Yeah, <laughs> in our lives. really. Yeah, uh, we've been to see them. You know, we went to Tate Modern. We got yeah. managed to get. Oh, we did got you? tickets to Tate Modern um, through Jeff Ellis, uh, a friend of ours. That you, you know, we do obviously do the Slam Tent at Tina Park and. 
and you know we're huge craft yeah. fans and so we went you know absolute we honour to go and see them you and, know um, yeah blown away I mean it doesn't really matter with Kraftwerk if it's still the original members that are in it. I mean, Kraftwerk to me is like a show. Yeah. You know, it's it's. Uh, I think Paul Morley said it's a distillation to the still. You know, because they because <laughs> they, they don't move around. They're not. Yeah. They're not like. They're not like a. They're not like a sort of a Ibiza enthusiastic and, and, fist pumping DJ. You know? and, and it's about the music. It's, like, it's, it's not about the personalities. Yeah. It's, it's a, not a band yeah. as in. You know, yeah. if someone leaves, it's like that. Oh no, no, no. You. It's it's about the music. The craft work. And it's also about the 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 the, the way it's presented. I think you know the the the. the the, the, the way that the, the, they are still on stage and the graphics and the yeah. visuals and, and it's the always been the same together. I mm. went to see them first uh, at a venue that doesn't exist anymore called the Apollo in Glasgow and it was the Computer Love Tour and there was all, all this kind of discussion before the gig was it them that were there or were the robots coming and and, and to be honest, you know, the, the, the differences between that show back then and, and the Tate Modern, it's not that great. And, and for me, even back then, though the kind of image and, and, mm. and, and the mystery was, was very appealing, it still was just about the music. Definitely. Let's have a little listen.
met Carl Bartos at a festival and uh, I'd, I'd a book and I'd never asked for anything. I didn't know what to say. I was I'd that. never asked for anyone's <laughs> autograph. But I, I kind of said to him, uh, will you sign the book? And he goes, yeah, yeah, it'd be an honour. And then I said, um, I said, you know, like, where I'm looking at it, because I, I knew that the Kraftwerk came from uh, Organisation, which was the band they were in before, from the book, obviously. I read it from a book, um, so I got the you know and and and, and the, the, the you know, um, Florian he was a, he was a flautist, mm-hmm. so a lot of the lines are very simple kind of you know monophonic kind of lines, and I, I, but I couldn't really figure out how all of a sudden there was there is a progression from the early Kraftwerk thing or the the the, the organisation albums, you can sort of hear how Kraftwerk might come about. But there was that, then there was Kraftwerk. Yeah, it was just like, it was, it was like they'd been visited by some kind of, you know, extraterrestrial <laughs> yeah. force that kind of imparted That's this right. kind of, you know, futuristic musical knowledge on them. And I could never really find, and I, and, I, and I asked them and they went, it's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> so they never told me, you know, so. It's um, just, it's just insane to think that something like that is responsible for so, so, so much. Yeah, I know. I wonder if they realise just how influential they were you know you speak about other bands being influential but but not in the same way Kraftwerk have been you know the mystery behind them as you said the controlling of the image the the idea the robots they built their own keyboards it was just all perfectly kind of fed into you know um just just uh, real heroes of ours real heroes so they're going to be in the UK soon. They are. T- and tickets got, go on sale 9am Friday. I've got got tickets already. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I got nice. tickets already. So like, yeah, I can't, I can't wait. I'm just going to be another. I mean, yeah, I can't wait. Whereabouts are you I going to be soon? I think it's in the concert hall. Um, oh, great. In Glasgow, you know. Nice. Yeah. some good gigs there. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. It's the band we've seen the most mm. of any yeah. band ever, you know. And so when so. when did they first come to light to you? Um, would have been the gosh, trying to think what age would have been would have been kinda like 70, 78, 79 or something when I was starting to kind of buy records. Um and as I said, I kinda got this luminous twelve inch with Trans Europe Express on it. Mm. And um yeah, just never kinda looked back, bought all their albums as soon as they came out, went to see them when they did the computer love tour in, in Glasgow back then. And it was just, it was a very strange kind of crowd even then that went along, you know, yeah. very geeky and stuff. And then some people used to wear the, the full on kind of 30s suits and what did have they? you and the eyeliner <laughs> and, and everything, you know? So it was, it, it was a bit, it was very geeky back then to, to be yeah. into kind of craft work. Yeah. I never got into them until later. I'm, I'm gutted. I was never really into them at the time. I kind of, mm. I was aware of them, but I kind of, I suppose it was when, you know, the 80s when, you know, the early 80s I got into them more. It Uh, doesn't matter when you got into them because they're so influential, you know. know. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, fantastic. Great track as well, particularly great track, you know, but yeah, I got all all the albums, you know, so um, it's, uh, it's all been an influence. And the connection between... Um, Germany, Detroit, and then Glasgow comes into the frame. It's quite funny how there was a, a sort of a the connection with the Detroit music coming over to here, yeah, and obviously that coming from the German stuff, yeah, which connected with like Motown and into to Glasgow. What do you see being the kind of um, 
the link between those places, what do you think it was that helped there to be sort of a, a flow of dialogue, musically speaking? I think maybe, I mean, Glasgow was a, Glasgow's a post-industrial city. like Similar to Detroit. Similar to Detroit, I think. A lot of people heard something in the, the mechanical nature of the music or something, I don't know. Um, it's hard to define, it's a hard question. But, um, you know, if you look at, you know, that was obviously inspired by post-war Germany, you know, industrial heartland. You know, you can hear you can hear that machinery in the music. Maybe it's a similar thing. You know, maybe maybe it's the you know the way the shipbuilding industry, which was subsequently in decline yeah. at that point, and obviously Detroit had the motor industry. Uh, so I don't know if it's something to do with that. Might be might be to do with the. <laughs> Being a bit cold, well, <laughs> weather thing. I, I don't know. I really don't know. Having to stay in, yeah, yeah, for six months of the year. And tell me about some of the the times um, when you got some of the De- Detroit pioneers to come over here for the first time and sort of meeting those guys. And... Well, we were just talking about this recently. You know, back back in the early days when you were kind of, you know, trying to get kind of guests to come and play. You, you had to look at the centre spin of yeah. the record to get the fax number or, yeah. or something, and and you actually had to phone the record label to to, to kind of see if if mm. it was possible. You know, I remember, to... yeah, I, I, I think. My moment for hearing hearing that was in in in, uh, in Lucifer's when the DJ was playing, he was which is now the Sub Club. He he was he was playing like a, a Luther Vandross record and then a few other things and then he pl- he played Nude Photo and I was like, I was like what it was like I, I've heard the future when I heard that, that record I was like what the hell is that it's, you know I ran up and he told me what it was and then after that we started to track down other things that that we, we felt were similar so that was the, that was the that was the moment i heard techno that i remember that really clearly and i remember that being a, a catalyst for i mean that that record became huge in there it was it was it, it was it was effectively a soul club you know it was f- a bit of funk and some disco stuff and then that record instant classic yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, there wasn't, you know, the scenes were very, very fragmented, you know. Um, the only commonality would have been the, the import records coming through at the record shop. And uh, there wasn't that much kind of uh, of the travelling DJ, you know. You get the occasional person maybe come up from Manchester or, or, or from London and stuff like that. But, you know, as, as far as kind of European or transatlantic kind of, you know, swapping of kind of DJs, that hadn't really kind of started. So we were definitely kind of at the forefront of inviting kind of people. We had Derek May across at a very early stage, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, as we said, it was it was sending facts to record labels <laughs> to ask, you know, would this person come across, yeah. you know, would they consider? Um, yeah, and there just wasn't the infrastructure of agents or, or mm. anything like that then. So it was all very kind of, you know. I remember we, 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 went, we went to Detroit and we did a... We did a we did a Packer party in Detroit, and uh, the audience was like Richie Houghton and Dan Bell and like uh, yeah, Eddie Flash and folks. Wow. And, and, uh, like we're, like they came down to hear us play. I was no like, oh my god! It's like that, that completely blew my mind. But that, that was, the, uh, as, that was as a, you were saying, yeah. it's that it was for them hearing European kind of dance music was the same as us hearing kind of American dance. You know, they had the equal kind of interest in who are these people that, you know, made that record. That yeah, I, like, I think the, the, that's the that's the, the thing with uh, Detroit. It, it, it was really, you know, not only playing traditional 
black music, but it was also looking outside of it was it was also embracing European music. It was also listening to European bands like Depeche Mode, yeah. Kraftwerk, yeah, yeah. or whatever. You know, they, they 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 that all got mixed into the. There's a similarity yeah. between Glasgow. You know, Glasgow's a very outward-looking city. Yeah. He's always looking for yeah. for fresh and new things. You know, um, maybe it's a similarity in in that. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. I really like the idea of a place looking outwards and and not just being insular and yeah. you know you know it's still building a localized sound, but looking outward and, and building it in that Maybe way. It's got something to do with the with the, the ships, you know, building ships. <laughs> well. You know, they were always traveling, you know, yeah. up to, off to other parts. There of are the many places you can't yeah. find a Scotsman, yeah. is there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It is true. <laughs> and now um, coming coming back up to today, um, you guys have your sixth album uh, Machine Cut Noise um, tell me a little bit about that because um, you know it's, 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 it's your, your career's spanned a couple of decades now well, three decades and um, you have a multitude of influences that have come up from your beginnings and where do you kind of see yourselves now and what do you kind of uh, how do you see the album kind of defining where you are now the album this album was in particular uh, written in a completely different way so it was you know sometimes it's hard to it's all about grasping influences as they happen so you know a lot of the initial ideas were kind of made <coughs> on the laptop or as we were traveling around in aircraft or, lounges or, and or, or the next day after a party you know that that atmosphere of what would be happening there would be sort of put into the to, to the music rather than wait until you know until we got home and then sit in a, in a in a box somewhere you know it was it was you know I'm not saying that there's a man walking past with a whatever let's let's get a vibe for that and put it in the track <laughs> it, it more, Mr Bongo man yeah it, it was more just about kind of writing music in a different environment and kind of you know which I thought was quite interesting you know um, get get out there and kind of soak up these different influences so one of the tracks was made on on the train. You know, and just um, can't remember which one now, uh, but just kind of getting, you know, using all those influences and putting them in, uh, and uh, it's it's a hard one because like the, this album is much more dance floor orientated, but it isn't. So if you listen to the album as a whole, it tells a bit of a story. It's, it, it has ambient into, you know, it has ambient pieces. It has deep techno pieces. It's it's very contemporary. You know, it probably celebrates our love for contemporary techno yeah. more than anything we've, we've done recently so it probably says more about us our DJing style than than any record we've, we've, we've made recently you know I think Reverse Proceed was all about we really wanted to make a continuous album yeah this album was about making an album you know in my mind a lot of albums don't work because they're just a collection of club tracks yeah. and the challenge for this album was to make club tracks but make them work in context yeah and design an album for uh, vinyl, which, you know, uh, and the reason for that is that we made um, Reverse Proceed and then we thought, where's the record, Where, where's the... Where the singles? Where's the product, <laughs> you know? Uh, although we, uh-huh. we, we released that in physical, we did it on CD. Uh, we just really wanted to do something... A you vinyl could, you, could, you know, for the 25th anniversary, we wanted to yeah. do something you could collect and hold and turn around and look at the artwork, etc. So... And spend yeah, spend hours in your bedroom looking at the yeah, inner yeah. sleeve. <laughs> and tell me about um, the thought that went into the artwork behind it and everything as well. The artwork is well, I don't know. 
you take them out what you will. Yes. <laughs> yes. Ambiguous yeah. answer number yeah. 42. <laughs> the artwork is, yeah, the artwork is... Is it an, uh, is it an altar? Yeah, well, it could be, yeah, it could be. <laughs> nice. Keep it mysterious, yeah. man. Keep it mysterious. And um, the, the the scene right now in, in Glasgow yeah. seems to be better than ever you know it doesn't seem to as as you said yourselves it's always been consistent especially with regard to techno it's a real shame you know obviously we had the arches close on us uh, you know uh, a little while back so there was a little bit of a kind of dilemma but uh, we found a new home at SWG3 and yeah no there's there's, there's lots of great artists uh, Mm. emerging in Glasgow Uh, still lots of great venues a really kind of um uh, diverse kind of music scene. Go and listen to most types of music most yeah. days of the week in Glasgow, you know. So, well, I think particularly with the new venue that we found for, for our pressure nights, which are monthly uh, parties, you know, we found we've been doing occasional things at this venue, SWG3, and conveniently when the arts is closed, they opened a, hmm. a, a new floor TV studio downstairs. And we spent probably more time than more more time than's healthy getting in, getting the sound right. So we were in there for like a week, just making sure the sound was right. Because we this, this was like a, a new start for yeah. us. It was like a new thing that we had to to to, to do. We had the chance to rectify. I mean, the artist was great, but it was like because it was so modular, because because things because it was a theatre because it was it was everything the sound had to be yeah, taken sure, down yeah. all the time yeah. and reconstructed so, and you had other people in yeah. there doing nights and you know they would demand different things from the sound system so we couldn't spend uh, I suppose the, 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 the time in, in, in getting the sound exactly but having said we were in there obviously initially before we opened but it, it took quite a few months of kind of tinkering tweaking, and, and yeah, trying tweaking, different things yeah. afterwards until we and I I'm not 100% sure we're exactly kind of, you know, I think well, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll just spend a bit more time yeah, as well. You know, it's, it's, it, it's more about just using our knowledge from travelling about and learning from events that we've done and bringing that back to the club so that the, whoever we, we, we invite along to play beside us can, you know, feel completely at home and appreciate in, in, yeah. in, the, in the vibe. And, you know, and, uh, you know Robert Hood, Turn around and say this I is know, this is fantastic and everyone's know, had a more, great... most people most people love it you know it's a great great venue it's a you know I think we were talking earlier on about how important sound is you know with, yeah. especially with the sonics of the the music at the moment and uh, it's always been our kind of belief that uh, you spend everything on the sound system and then you think about chairs uh, and you know mm. other other things after that but it's the sound first always Absolutely. I can I can tell that you guys are very kind of um, not particular per se, but you 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 want quality in everything that you do. Yeah. And and yeah. do you do you feel like that's been um, at the core of what you guys are about, and your and maybe a part of your success as well is the fact that you have been always focused on getting stuff to the highest to the highest quality. I think it's it, it's it's been a, it's had positive aspects, but it's also had some negative aspects as well. In, in that uh, we 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 would make music, and if it wasn't right, we wouldn't release it for you know. So there's been that element of of being quite fussy about what we've actually put out, um, you know. So yeah, I mean it's, but I think it's there's more positives came from that than negatives. I think you know. I think as we we, we, we get older we become more tenacious we become more kind of fussy I guess and we become more picky about what we want to do 
um, partly because we, we can do that and partly because you know we've got more experience and we know what we're doing more now and we know from just being around and travelling and doing other parties that there is a certain way that things should be done uh, yeah I think I, I like to think we're learning all the time yeah absolutely yeah let's move on to this next track Manuel Manuel Gottenshing Gottenshing E2E4 I mean He's a German composer, mm. uh, and this track is... From Berlin, yeah. Yeah, it's... I don't know how long this track is. I think it's, like, uh, on two sides of the vinyl. 54 minutes, 32 yeah. seconds. <laughs> it's, it's very classic. It's very, very classic. Very well-known track, but it's... The reason we've sort of chosen it, I think, is that every time you hear it, you'll hear something different in it. It's such a, a well-composed piece of music that in, in that you're not really sure what is doing what uh, but it, it sounds like the one th the, it's the one incessant hook little hook yeah. that just develops and develops and, and develops washes all the way through yeah. you know I think it's a, an amazing piece of music right so uh, let's go and get some food and sit down for an hour and listen <laughs> to this then <laughs> So that is a, an absolute classic and definitely another one that's kind of uh, can, can be considered to be a blueprint for much of today's music. Yeah. Um, you guys were just telling me about your extensive touring. Um, I wanted to know, since you've been doing it for quite some time and you've, you've been friends and, and, and workmates and yeah. DJs together for such a long time, um, 
What have you learned about each other? What, what, what are some of the things Absolutely that you've... Absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Learn when to avoid them. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I guess we know each other pretty well, you know. From Don't really think about it. You know, just so busy, kind of. It's good to have something to do it with. I mean, I, I, yeah. know, I know I've spoke to a lot of people who, who do this solo and kind of, you know don't enjoy that no yeah. a lot of people have stopped because they don't like the kind of being on your own mm. there's um, more as there's more to it than just um kind of turning up and playing music you know there's a social aspect with you have to be good with people and i suppose when you have someone else with you to you know bounce off yeah, then it's yeah, uh, yeah. it's easier that you know that kind of thing but the section of the night the next morning is always yeah. good fun, you yeah. know. Post gig analysis. And it's like, um, I guess if if you have your sort of down moments, and hopefully it's one, not the other. Right. You, you know That's how to cheer right. each other yeah. up, yeah, and you can, a lot you know, of support there. Yeah. But we've got that with the the, the kind of our, you know our friends, Dave, for instance, that we run the clubs with, and and the label and stuff. So it's it's a kind of big family, big support network. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I probably I'm not sure I'd still be doing this, to be honest. If if you know, we weren't kind of a duo, to be honest. As as I said earlier, the I've met lots of people who have kind of not been able to do it for for any length of time because mm. of that kind of just being on the road on your on your own all the time. Yeah, yeah. And where where have you been recently that you've particularly enjoyed? Have you been any, to any sort of new clubs or countries or cities that have kind of really impressed well, you? We went, or? To, we went to China. That was an experience. That was an experience. More for yeah. just being in the place. Yeah. It was like it was it was it was. Um, we were in Tokyo and then we went to China and then. As we discussed earlier, we, it was a bit of a crazy schedule. We came back in Barcelona and then um, yeah, yeah, Naples the, and then Bergheim, straight to Bergheim from Naples. Which I must say, uh, you know, I was, was just saying, it, 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 yeah. I think it deserves its mantle yeah. as best club in the world. I think yeah. partly because of the opening hours and, yeah. Yeah. and for where it is. It's, it, it, you know, because it opens on a Saturday night and doesn't finish till the Monday morning. <laughs> it's quite radical in, in that sense, but, you know... Um, yeah, we've been a, a few interesting. Yeah, places. India. Yeah, that was that was yeah, quite in, India, interesting, yeah. actually, down the south. Um, where else have we been? Kind of recently. I, I tend to not know what I'm doing next week. Never yeah. mind, kind of dwell on what it's I did last week. <laughs> yeah. so what know, what I've noticed over the last few years is that India seems to have it seems to be really having a scene that's really growing and yeah. really yeah. Yeah. maturing as well because a few yes. years ago I think they were really EZM heavy and now you know as as things do it's it, it, people have got interested in more interesting kinds of music and yeah and it, it definitely seems yeah, to be maturing. It's, it's maturing that exactly yeah. exactly I mean we met a guy who came over from Calcutta recently who came over to Glasgow to talk to a few different producers and he he's he's a promoter there and uh, just the conversations that we're having with him. You know, he seemed re really versed on, on on good music. He was, you know, he, and he wants to do more tours. I think he was coming over here to consolidate, you know, his relationship with various artists and and work out there. So, yeah, I think it, I think it is. It's it's an interesting place, and uh, you know, the 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 time we were there was 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 great fun. Yeah. and great reaction. It's funny how. That's the one thing that you, you notice about this. You know what's beautiful about the music is it it it, it works in every every culture. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's a truly global thing. 
And I can't think there's many, there's not many things, maybe football, but there's not many things that work on that global level. Mm. Um, I, I kind of feel like music, um, it has the power to unite um, more so than divides. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it crosses borders, it crosses race, genre, gender, all those kind of things. It can, it can really break down all of those things. Yeah. And... Um, to me, I, I really believe that it's a gift. From who, I don't know, but it's, a, it's definitely a gift. Absolutely. Um, what do you feel music has given you, as, you know, on a personal level, on a, on a career level, you know, on any, any kind of level? How would you, what, what would you say music has kind of given you throughout your life, from the time when you first fell in love with it up to now? It's given us everything, really. Yeah. It's given us, you know, a, a career, if, if you, if you want to call it a career. It's given us a focus, a purpose. Uh, you know, it's, it's given us everything we do is revolved around music. It's you know, I think without it, it would be hard to imagine. Um, well, from my point of view, it would be hard to imagine my life without without, it. without yeah, doing yeah, it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So I think it's it's all encompassing with us. It's you know, music is, is everything we do. You know, and and we're probably as enthusiastic about it now as we, we, we yeah. were when we started. Maybe even more so. You know. And you know, in terms of um, the legacy that that Glasgow has as as a city, and um, how responsible do you feel for carrying on that legacy and, and passing it on? I mean, obviously, we have the school here and the, the label, which is very responsible for nurturing new talent. And yeah. you're focused on playing new music and thinking about today, and maybe not the past, and not being too yeah. nostalgic. Yeah. So, all of that, I guess, feeds into you guys carrying on a legacy, maybe not consciously and like you know not not being calculated about it but just actually carrying it on as you are because it's it's what you do mm. i think we'll uh, you hit the nail on the head we you know it, it, we'll do it and until we we can't <laughs> don't, physically do it anymore don't say it <laughs> no, we're, we're not you know <laughs> we'll just we you know you do what you you Bomb. do what you you do what you enjoy and you do you know you you, you do it because you do it for the right reasons. Yeah. You know, I think I think with us, it, it, as soon as it be, becomes about doing it for the wrong reasons, we won't do it. No. You know. I mean, it's like I, I like to sleep well at night and or at least try, uh, given the the unsociable hours. But you know, I, I think we definitely, you know, if we if we thought we were doing something for the wrong reason, we wouldn't do it. I, yeah, I don't I think, think we know of any other way of doing it. To be honest, yeah. You're no. kind of doing it for what we think are the right reasons for so long now that um, I just can't see there being any other driver, you know, mm. um, to what we do. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's to another 25. Yeah. That's well, that's, that's it, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I, have to, I have to congratulate you both on, on, on running a label for, for, for such a long long time. That's, well, with a lot of help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, yeah. of course, of course. But, you know, at the same time, it's, there's no, you can't discount the amount of time that it's been going for. And no. I, I guess there have been ups and downs, of course, sure. but you're still here and you're, you're able to celebrate this anniversary, you know? Yeah. I think we're, we're celebrating it at a good time because I think the label's doing really well now. I think it's a label that that people are are excited about listening to anyway without all this kind of 25th anniversary I think it, and that's partly because you know we're pretty focused on re presenting the best music that we can you know um, but we've got exciting times ahead with Absolutely. 25 but yeah. we, you know it, 
it, it's nostalgic to to to, to a point. It just you know, in, in the fact that it's twenty five years old. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, it's it's still you know, most a lot of the producers that are involved uh, are producers that are exciting us just now. So it's coming at it. it, it you know, it it still has relevance mm. to what's going on now, and I think that's really important. And there's uh, a lot of people who have influenced. I won't mention any names right now, mm. but there's a couple of you know people that we've always wanted to release on Soma who have never released on Soma. Uh, that are, that are, are, have, have are going made, to made, made original tracks. Yeah. Fantastic, yeah, for yeah. us. Brilliant. So it's exciting. Definitely, man. And um, just to wrap this up, um, looking back over your years of being into music and also working within music, um, we're sat here, as I said, in in Soma School. Um, if I was a student, you know, I'm like 17, 18 years old, and I came up to you both and I said, "What's, what's the sort of one key piece of advice that you could give me?" in terms of, you know, thinking about getting into music, what, what would you say to them? I, w- I would say don't don't copy anyone else, you know, be original, believe in in, in what you like um, and and to just, fo- you know, follow your own kind of path, you know, mm. don't look over your shoulder at what other people are doing, uh, do your own thing. Yeah, develop your own vibe, I, I, I totally. Just keep your own, your focus. And try and be unique in your own way. Difficult now with so many. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, but that's well, that's how people get noticed. And how they shine. Yeah, and how you develop something different from other people. It's not just the same thing. It's, it's and be honest and be you know be honest about what you want to do. And uh, I mean that, that that whole journey will take you up as well as down. You know, but. Um, I think if you you tr- truly kind of believe in your own kind of taste and and be honest to that, then you know if things go well, then you know um, good things lie ahead. Yeah, I guess the most rewarding thing is ultimately is following your own path and yeah. finding success on that path. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, um, let's play the last one. And just before we play this, <laughs> um, this is Alexi Perala, and it's called. UKR 74R 1405036. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about this? This guy is is just amazing. He, he he's I'm not, I think he might be I don't know where he's from, but it's kind of everything he does is very sparse. And uh, I spoke to a lot of people about this guy, and, and not a lot of people know know who he is. But the reason we put this on is because. He, he's somebody we really were really champion. You know, we play a lot of his music. It's usually pretty stripped. Um, you know, um, it's hypnotic. You know, this this track. You know, if, if I wanted to, it's probably a little bit Matthew Johnston. It's probably a little bit, you know, um, hypnotic and deep. But it's it's unique. Yeah. You know, this this is like a this is probably a kind of good example for me anyway of something that's got its own vibe to it mm, nice one well let's uh, send you both off <laughs> with your records and uh, play this one out thank you so much for joining me and thank thanks you. For, for all your wonderfully interesting answers and no keep on doing what you're doing man because you're doing a really good thing thank you thank cheers you. cheers